Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Branded. We've all been branded by others based on certain attributes about us. Many times we're marked or labeled according to our past self. It's often negative and places us in a box. But ultimately, we're not who people say we are. We are who God says we are. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at Again, we hope you enjoy this message. But we're, we're doing a series here called Branded, and we're getting the idea that uh, many times, even growing up and living life, we've been labeled or we've been branded by others or by somebody or by something uh, according to our personality. Maybe it's a character trait. And uh, lots of times we're living in the past tense. In other words, these are things that we did before and were marked or were tagged by people uh, because we did this or we did that. It's really kind of a restrictive uh, thing that people put on us. Most of the time it's negative things. Now, if you've been branded with something great, you know, like you're a great person, you're successful, that's awesome. But most of the time we've been branded or labeled by negative things that people put on us and we still live with those things even today and that's why uh, uh, being branded is very powerful and I hope to communicate to you today that we are not what people say we are we are who God says we are and so if we're not careful though the longer we wear these labels or these brands it stops describing the path and it begins to determine your future and that's why we're preaching about it today, because we don't want you to live your future with a past brand, with a past label, with something that somebody put on you. And so I want to talk about breaking those things, breaking those labels. And today I want to talk about personal failures. How many are familiar with failure? If you're honest, we all have failed in life at something. You didn't make the team. You didn't get the job or whatever it may be. You have failed in life, and there's all of us have experienced, if you lived any length of time, you understand what failure is. But for far too long, many of us are gripped by the failures of the past. I can't tell you how many people that I talk to today that are gripped and living in the failures of their past, things that they did, mistakes that they made, uh, shortcomings in their life. And what happens, they're, they're gripped by that and it keeps them down. And I just want to tell you, failure is a universal experience. Everyone in life, even successful people, have had failure in their life. In fact, there's many people that you would, when you say their name, you would say, oh, these people are successful. But I'm here to tell you today, at one time, they've experienced failure. Walt Disney, how many are familiar with Disneyland? Well, he was uh, fired from his uh, uh, first job as a lack because he had lack of creativity. Would you believe that? Babe Ruth, who is probably considered one of the most uh, greatest baseball players of all time and had, you know, a, a home run hitting record, was also known for the most major league strikeouts and also major, most major league strikeouts in a World Series. Another basketball player, when he was young, when he was 15 years old, they bypassed him uh, and put him on the junior varsity because they said he wasn't good enough to play the varsity team, and his name was Michael Jordan. 
So it just goes to tell you that throughout history, even in our world today, there are people that we can mention their name and you can say those people are successful, those people are great, but behind the scene, you don't realize that at some time in their life, they experience failure. They're even biblical characters, people in the Bible. If I mention their name, you say, man, these are great men of God. If I mention Moses' name, you would think Moses leading people out of Egypt and setting people free. And you say, Moses, he called upon God and, and the miracles of God took place. And he walked through the Red Sea. And you would say, what a tremendous man of God. But do you realize Moses had some failure in his life. He murdered a man and had to flee for his life. He became a fugitive in the backside of a desert. We think of David, King David, and yet when you think about him, you say he's a man after God's own heart. But do you realize David had some failure in his life? He committed adultery, and then then he had the woman's husband killed because he tried to cover it up. Could you imagine that? And yet we look at him today and we say, David, a man after God's own heart, but he had failure. You look at Peter, the Bible says in the book of Acts that he stood up one day and he preached and 3,000 people got saved. Now, I'm still trying to preach in front of 3,000 people, but he preached and 3,000 people got saved. And the Bible says that all these people came, but do you know Peter, if you know the history of Peter, he had failure in his life. He denied Jesus three times in the same night. He said, I don't know him. Not only that, if you read the story, you'll see that he cusses and says, I I don't even know the man. I don't know what you're talking about. Blankety blank blank. You know what I'm talking about. And so we see this man or we see various people in Scripture that had experienced failure in life. And so failure is something we're all going to experience. It doesn't discriminate whether you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't discriminate whether you're educated or not educated. It comes in all kinds of forms. It comes in, there's relational failures where maybe you had some relationships that failed. It comes in the form of physical failures. Maybe physically you failed. Maybe spiritually you failed. And all of us have experienced these failures in life. And if we're not careful, we look at ourselves or we've been labeled as a failure. Can I tell you something? Failure is not a person. Failure is an event. Did you hear me? Failure is not who you are. Failure is what happened to you. And so a lot of us this morning, we've been labeled and we've been marked as a failure. You may even look in the mirror sometimes and say, man, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I want to tell you something. You may have failed, but you're not a failure. Failure is an event. Failure is something that has happened in your life and you need to really be careful because how you respond to failure is going to determine the rest of your life how you respond to failure is going to determine what you become in christ so it's important that we don't allow people to brand us or put this label of failure on us because some of us are still living under the shadow of failure see there's a difference in how we handle and respond to failure. You can fail forward. You know what happens when you fail forward? You learn from your mistakes. And your failures become your stepping stones to success. But most people, when we fail, we fail backwards. And we don't get back up again. They become the obstacle in our lives. There's a book I'll recommend it for you. It's called Failing Forward. I actually read that way back in... I believe it was 1998, around there. 
99 is when I read the book, and it really helped me as a pastor because in that season of my life, I felt like a failure, believe it or not. And I remember reading this book, and I remember thinking about all the failures in my ministry, all the failures in my life, and I began to realize, you know what? These are stepping stones to God's success. Hallelujah. Because, see, people, not only are people watching you, but you have to be careful that even your kids are watching you and your wife's watching you, your husband's watching you, the world is watching you. And they're seeing uh, as the Christian, how do you handle failure? And probably one of the most frustrating characters in the Bible, really, when I begin to read about this guy in the Bible, it kind of frustrates me because he's not the ideal guy that you would say he's a man of faith. In fact, his name is in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. If you take time to read that, he is listed as one of the heroes of faith. When you read the Bible in Hebrews 11, you know, it mentions Moses. It mentions Gideon. It mentions all these great men and women of God. And you say, man, Abraham, a man of faith, all these people. You say, yes, yes. But when this guy's name come up, I go, really? Because you know why? Because in my mind... He's been labeled and branded with failure. And this is the guy's name most of us know. The guy's name is Samson. How many are familiar with Samson? Did you know that Samson, from the day he was born, was set apart, empowered with supernatural strength from God? From the time he was born, he had supernatural strength. He did things physically that no other man could be. And not, it wasn't because he was built like me or anything like that, but he was just a regular guy. Yeah, I don't want you guys to be deceived. He wasn't as big as I was. But what I want to say to you is he was just a regular guy, and supernaturally, God strengthened him. Supernaturally, he was able to do things that nobody else could do. In fact, the enemies of God during that time were the people of God was a, 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 a group of people called the Philistines, and they hated Samson because Samson always defeated them. One man with incredible strength was able to defeat all of these Philistines. And we'll read about him in just a little bit. But he was incredibly strong. But let me also say this. He was incredibly weak. And the reason why he was weak, because he constantly broke his vows and constantly failed when it came to chasing the wrong women Drinking the wrong stuff. Are you hearing me? Going the wrong places. Getting bad haircuts. If he wasn't supposed to get a haircut, all these different things. Uh, when you look at Samson's life again, he's listed in uh, the Hall of Faith or the book of Hebrews chapter 11. But he's very emotional. I mean, he just goes by impulse. Whatever he feels, he just kind of does. And he's, he's led by emotion, driven by emotion, rather been, than driven by the Spirit of God. So I have a hard time, man. I get frustrated reading about this guy because I say, how in the world does God continue to use this guy's life? And he has all of these failures and all of these flaws in life. And then we just got to look in the mirror and say, that's me. How many can say amen? amen. See, most people don't ruin their lives all at once. How do people ruin their life? Most people ruin their life one step at a time. There are things that you've done, decisions that you made, places that you've gone to, things that you said that have caused you to get where you're at, where you're at right now. And 
a lot of us this morning, if we're honest, and when I look at uh, Samson's life, he blew it big time. I mean, there are times where he just blew it big time. And when we read it, we say, man, this guy is a failure. He was supposed to be a deliverer of God's people. He was supposed to be the one that came on the scene, supernatural strength. He was going to deliver the people of God. And yet, when we read the story, we're going to read the story in just a little bit. We pick it up now. He is now a prisoner, and his eyes have been gouged out. In fact, they said when the Philistines would take out your eye, they would get a hot iron first, and they would put it in your eyes, and then they would dig it out. That's what they meant. They would gouge it out. So this guy, when we pick up the story, he's in shackles. He's actually grinding. He was fastened to a big, big wooden grind. And uh, basically, that would be the same. You would normally put an animal, and, and the animal would go, and, and they would go around this circle thing grinding. But now here's this guy who is supposed to be this great uh, man of God, this great deliverer. He is now blinded, grinding day after day, pushing something uh, or grinding this thing in circles. Uh, and we're going to pick up the story in just a little bit. But the people are mocking him and the people are talking about him. And basically, Samson is in the lowest part of his life than ever. Talk about feeling low. He was really low. And it raises the question today, how many have ever really blown it in your life? I mean, you blew it big time. You say, man, I blew that one. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have did that. Man, I shouldn't have went here. I blew it big time. Come on, let's be honest. And maybe you feel like this blind failure, Samson. What do you do when you realize that you've blown it? What do you do when you realize, man, you wasted your gift? You wasted your ability? What do you do when you can't undo an embarrassment? You can't undo it. You already did it. It's already done. Uh, you know, especially, you know, men have a big problem with this because when we fail at accomplishing something, it becomes very, very personal. With ladies, it's not so much accomplishment that bothers them. They receive value in relationships. Ladies, can you say amen? Is it true? I'll say it's true in a high pitch. It's true. No, no, it's not. No, but it is true, right? It is true. You get high value in relationships. And women basically, you know, do you like me? Are we friends? Can we hug? Can we cry? You know what I'm talking about. You know, you took, you know, 48 seconds to respond. Are we still BFFs? What happened? You know, are we still talking together? And then there comes this point, you know, where you're talking, and then they say, uh, you want to go to the bathroom? They can't go alone, so a whole crowd of them go. I just don't get how that, two hours later, you're like, what happened? What, what goes on, you know? And men, we're totally different. The way we do things, we, we work on accomplishment. We get value on what we accomplish. I mean, relationships are good, but hey, do we measure up? Did we win? You know, like the cowboy, did we win? No, you didn't. Can we conquer? We all expected it anyway. Uh, you didn't win. You're not going nowhere again. And so I know Pastor David's not here, so I can talk a lot right now. Talk about a failure. But anyway... Uh, Anyway, uh, so what happens is, uh, what was I talking about? I'm talking about men, and we, we get our things out of accomplishment. 
You know, it, it, I don't care how many men you trust. You don't go and say, hey, let's go to the bathroom. You just don't do that. <laughs> hey, guys, let's go to the bathroom. They kind of like, in fact, I'll just tell you, when men go to the restroom and we talk in the restroom, we don't make a lot of eye contact. You just don't do that. <laughs> you kind of, hey, you talk about the game. You kind of look at the wall. You look over here. You know, you, you don't be looking at each other. It just doesn't work. And if you start doing that, there's, there's something kind, kind of wrong there at that point. So if we just, guys don't work that way. We, we work on accomplishment. We work, hey, do, we work on respect. And we value respect more than, you know, you liking me, all these things. And so the greatest fear and the greatest regret that men have is they didn't accomplish what they should have. And even everyone in this room, our greatest pain is our greatest regret. I should have, could have, would have, but it didn't work. And so what happens is we live in this failure. We live in, uh, in this thing where we feel really, really bad. We feel really low. And what happens is many of us just can't get out of that. It could be that you were a person who maybe today you're no longer married and you're living in regret. Like, man, if I would have did this, I'd be married today. Or maybe you're somebody that, you know what, you're frustrated because you're working at a place and you feel you're working at a place beneath what you really should be making. And so all of those things get to you. And you begin to get frustrated and you begin to get really mad. And can I just tell you this? Your biggest sins are not too big for the grace of God. Can you say amen? Again, you are, not, you are not what you've done. You are who God says you are. And so we got to remember what our identity is. But if we're not careful, we allow the brands and the labels that people put on us to be our identity rather than what God says about us, rather than what the word of God says. And so I want to read the scripture. I don't even think we have it on the screen, but I read it last week, but I think it does fit in this message as well. And it's 2 Corinthians 5.17 that really is the theme scripture of this, of this series. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Anyone who belongs to Christ, that includes you, anyone, has become what? A new person. His old life is gone. It, it, it's done with. It's over. His old life is gone away with. It's, it's vanished. And a new life has begun. That's what I want to talk about. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. So I want to pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, today that you're a God of grace, that you're a God of mercy, God, that we don't have to live with the brand and labels that people put on us. But, God, we've been forgiven, that the old life is gone. And wherever people are at in their life right now, they are not a failure. Failure is an event, not a person. I don't care what people said about them. I don't care the negative things that have been said about them, Lord. They're not who people say they are. They are who you say they are. They're your child. They're your children. They belong to you. And I pray today they would receive this word. They would embrace it. God, remove every distraction because even during this message, people's mind could be somewhere else. But, Lord, I pray they would focus on you. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray today for the anointing of God as I declare your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So the good news is if you're a Christian, you don't have to wear the label of the old life. You don't have to wear the brand or the past of the old life. 
Now, if you're not a Christian, I'm going to tell you today, you are defined by your sin. Because that sin is now your bondage. And the only one that can set you free is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So when we get into Samson's story, it teaches us something that we need to embrace, that all of us need to really embrace it. Again, failure is not an event, not a person. And we're going to see in Samson's life a guy who failed over and over again. I'm telling you, this guy failed a lot of times. And it's almost most of it, most of the things that he did was just, he just messed up. He just, man, blew it. And, and yet God says, uh, God puts him in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as the man of faith. That tells you you can be down, but you don't have to be out. That tells you you can fail, but you don't have to stay failing. Can you say amen? That tells you that God can still use you despite your failure, despite your mistake. There's the grace of God that can empower your life today. And so we pick up the story here where this is kind of the end of his life here, toward the end of everything. And we pick it up at the end and we get to see Samson in his biggest failure of his life. In Judges chapter 16, 23, again, he's blinded. He is now under, he's a prisoner. And it says, now the rulers of the Philistines, again, the Philistines were the bad guys. They assembled to offer great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate saying, our God Dagon has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Now, I want to pause there for a second. They're in this temple or in this coliseum type setting. There are several different layers or different levels. In fact, the Bible says there is about 3,000 people there uh, gathered around in this, in this coliseum. And they're sacrificing and they're worshiping their god, Dagon. They're saying Sam, Samson has been delivered into their hand because, begin. The Philistines say, uh, basically, Samson is their enemy, and so they're worshiping this image. Dagon actually, I think I said it wrong in the first service, Dagon actually is, uh, the way it looked, what, he had a man's head and a fish body. Why you would worship that? I have no idea. But these people are, are giving praise to this man, fish god, or fish man god, whatever you want to call it, call it. and they're saying, you know, thank you for delivering Samson, they're praising and they're doing all of this. And in verse 24, when the people saw Samson, again, he's blinded. He's not that supernatural strength guy that they've been used to. And he goes, saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land. Now, the reason why they say he, waste, he laid waste our land, you have to remember the story. When Samson was under the power of the Holy Spirit, he gathered 300 uh, foxes, and he put them in pairs, and in between their tails, he put a torch, and he let them run through the harvest of the Philistine, and it burned all of their harvest. So basically, he wasted our land, and, and they're saying, Dagon, you delivered us from this guy. And then they said, and he multiplied our slain. And what they mean by that is you have to remember when Samson again was under the anointing, he was able to get a jawbone of a donkey. Could you imagine? And he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of, an, of, of a donkey. Now, that's not a fish story. You know, we always say the fish was this big, you know. 
Oh, man, I used to beat up a lot of guys. You haven't even beat up anybody. This guy, he actually beat up 1,000 men with a jawbone of a donkey. And yet the Bible says that in verse 25, while they were in high spirits, look at they're celebrating, they're shouting, they're singing, you know, uh, all this stuff, you know, celebration or whatever they're singing out. And bring, bring Samson out to entertain us. So they wanted him to just to come out. They wanted to look at him. And so they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. In other words, they brought him out. I mean, it doesn't get any lower than that. Are you picturing this whole thing? I mean, he's totally and completely 100% shamed in front of God's enemy. He has failed massively. Can you relate to what I'm saying? He is in the midst of his greatest failure. And obviously, our natural response when we fail is we feel remorse. I'm going to know when we've done something wrong and we know we blew it big time, we usually are living in regret. I feel bad about what I did. I feel bad that I did this. I shouldn't have been this bad person. But unfortunately, most of us just stop there. And what happens is we say, I'm not a good person. I'm the worst person that ever lived. I have no future. I hate myself. It turns very inward. Other times it turns outward. And we start blaming other people. I'm the victim. It's someone else's fault. And Samson could have did all of that. He could have begun to blame Delilah and said, yeah, I've been hearing the song on the radio. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Samson and Delilah, you know, the whole song. And, and, you know, and so he's hearing that, and he could have blamed Delilah. He could have did that. He could have blamed her nagging, because if you read the Bible, she nagged him a little bit. And so all of these things, in fact, men don't memorize that scripture about nagging. That's not a good scripture to quote. And, and in fact, the Bible says that, that they, the, the Philistines had used Delilah to get a riddle from him that he told the Philistines, if you guess this riddle, I'll give you all these clothing, and nobody could guess it. But the Bible says Delilah was the one that nagged him day and night until he got tired of her. And so he tells the Philistines this. He said, he said, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Men, do not quote that scripture to your wife, okay? Don't call her a heifer. And so here I'm saying to you today, a better response should have been repentance. See, we are supposed to feel bad about what we've done. But we're supposed to turn from that and go a new direction. Not stay in the remorse of what we've done. Most people that have failed are living in their failure today. They're living under the shadow of all the things they've done wrong. They've allowed that brand and that label. And, of course, the enemy has put that on you. And so basically, you're living under that remorse and under that failure, but you don't realize today, if you'll turn to God, he's the God of grace. He's the God of forgiveness. You know what repentance means? Repentance means, honestly, what it means is turning from the lower to the higher. Let me tell you why it means that. Re in the word repent means, re means to turn. Pent, P-E-N-T, means the highest. So we're supposed to repent from the lower sin, turn back to God to the higher. Can you say amen? And so we're supposed to allow God
to turn this around. It only comes when you repent, when you turn away from what you've done, when you say, yes, I've done wrong, uh, but I'm going to do right. I'm turning to the higher. I'm turning to God. He's going to help me do what is right. <laughs> See, throughout Scripture, God uses people that have failed miserably, people that have been labeled over and over with failure attached to their name. Besides Samson, I'll go back to Samson. There's, there's a woman in the book of Judges, the same book in Judges. There's a woman by the name of Rahab. And you know what? She's called six different times in Scripture, Rahab the harlot. Can I put it in modern terms? Rahab the prostitute. And so whenever you read her name in Scripture, it's all tied to her name, Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the harlot. Where did you go? I was with Rahab the prostitute. And so her label is that. Not only that, she is the prostitute, but she is the lower class prostitute. Believe it or not, there's the higher class and the lower class. <laughs> the higher class prostitutes were what they called legal prostitutes in that time, and they were prostitutes in the temple. This particular prostitute, we're talking about Rahab, she operated out of her home, so she was the lowest of society. Are you listening to me? She was working illegally, so she's not only a prostitute, but she's the lower class prostitute. And the Bible says this is the very woman that God uses. Let me tell you why. Because the Bible says these men come into the city of Jericho where she lives, and Jericho has been fortified by walls. There's no way you can penetrate it, but they go in to spy it out. And the Bible says uh, these men of God or these uh, men of Israel go, and they're looking for a place to hide out. And guess whose house they go to? Rahab the prostitute. Now, I don't know why they went there. I'm just saying, no, I believe they went there because they knew that strangers were to visit the prostitute or they would visit her so it probably wouldn't look out of place for them to go to their house. But here's what happened. The Bible says that the king finds out that these men are at her house and they're going to go get them. And the scripture says, Rahab tells them, listen, they're coming to get you guys, but I'm going to hide you out. I'm going to hide you guys because I know who you are and I know who your God is. Are you listening to me? She says, you know what? I know what you're about. In fact, we're, we're here in the city, and we're hearing about you guys. We're hearing about your God. Man, our hearts melt because of who you are. We're all afraid. She said, but if I help you, I need to make a deal with you. Are you going to help me? And if you help me, I don't want you to only help me. I want you to help me and my family. So we see this Rahab the harlot, the lowest of the class, a failure. Not only does she care about herself, but she cares about her family. And they make this deal. Listen to me. This is a true story. Read it in the book of Judges. The Bible says she gathers her family into her house, and they tell her, if you leave a red scarlet out your window, when we come and attack this city, if your family is in that house, no one will be touched. Everybody will be saved. And the Bible says when the walls came crumbling down, everyone in Rahab's household was saved because the woman who was labeled and branded as the harlot now becomes the hero. Can you say amen? See, God can take a failure and make them into a hero. hero. And not only that, she ends up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She becomes one of the great, 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 great 
grandmothers uh, of Jesus. She's in that lineage. She's in that family line. And yet, I want you to know, she would have been considered a failure. She would have been labeled as someone that's not going to succeed. But in God's eyes, you can make it. Come on, give God a praise. So I want to say this to you. Don't dare let anyone put you in a box, label you as something, Say you can't do this because of all the failures and all the mistakes you've made. Because, again, all of us have made mistakes. We've all failed at something at one time or another. So I'm going to show you one of my failures. Are you ready for this? So before we show, are you guys ready with that video? Um, in this particular video, again, I tell you, I like to sell a lot of stuff on OfferUp. I'm trying to take a picture here. I'm trying to get a better angle of this thing that I'm selling. And so you can watch and see what happens next. That's a fail. That's a pick fail. I, I, we need to show that again. Let's show that again. And that, now listen, when I wrote down, you hear me go, ah, watch. If you laugh, you're not going to hear it, but watch what happens right when I roll. <laughs> All right, that's embarrassing already, so <laughs> told you that video would be worth it right there. And I'm right back up taking the picture. <laughs> Believe it or not, a little bit of pride, because you, you probably didn't notice, but when I got up, I looked across the street to see anybody was looking. <laughs> and then I was, like, taking a picture, like, nothing, everything's cool. I took a picture. <laughs> like, nobody saw that. Not realizing that the ring was on, and honestly, I didn't even think about it until I, until I was walking and I heard the thing go, bing. And, and I looked and I go, oh, my God, that's me. Because <laughs> I was trying to hide it from my wife. Like, I'm calm, coming in all cool. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to sell that thing. She goes, hey, you're on this video. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, a photo fail, man. That is a total. See, it happens to everybody, right? We all fail. Have you ever have you ever had group text where you're group texting people, and you're in a group text on a family group text or you know your kids and all that, and then you're responding to your wife, but you don't realize it's the group text because you saw her name, and you want to send her like a little love message, and your kids say, "Dad, uh, we're on this thing." <laughs> Are you, have you ever done that? Don't 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 say anything, okay? You 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 do these, or you know, you you want to respond to somebody, and I, I've got like church leadership uh, group texts, different things, and I want to say something to that guy, and everybody goes, "Hey, we're all listening to this conversation," you know, and you go, and you just can't undo it. Am I right? It, 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 or you emailed something to the wrong person? Are you okay? Don't don't don't. You don't have to admit it, but I'm just saying you can't undo it. You can't undo it. You, there's nothing you can do. You can't change it. It's already been done, right? It's already been sent. You can't unsend what you've done. Can I tell you, that's the same thing with the deeds that we've done wrong. We can't undo them, but, but we can repent, and God can forgive us. Can you say amen? I can't undo that video. I can't. There's nothing I could do. It's already there. And so when it comes to Samson's life, he comes to a point where he remembers who created him? And I want you guys to save that video. Don't put it on, uh, on Instagram or anything. I'll, I'll slap you. Amen. <laughs> That's my private video. 
that only my church gets to see. So you guys are the only ones that get to see it. I just said, well, if we're talking about failure, might as well just show you my failure. See, we weren't created to be entertainment to the enemy. Are you listening to me? We were created to fulfill God's purpose. And so something happened here in Samson's life because now he's living in remorse. He's looking back. And I believe in his heart, there was a heart change and there was a heart of repentance. Because, again, you can't change the past, but you can change the future. And if you repent, you can't undo it. But if you repent, you don't have to live in the past. You can now live in the future. And so Samson, I believe something happened in him. And in verse 25, the Bible says, when they stood him up or stood him among the pillars. In other words, they stood him right there where the pillars are at. Samson realized, and he said to the servant who held his hand, he said, you know what? Put me where the pillars are, where they support the temple so I can lean against them. He goes, hey, man, I just kind of want to lean against something. Can you get me where the pillars are at? But he had a plan. He had a plan. Again, I believe they were the heart of repentance. And Samson prayed this prayer. I believe this is the prayer of repentance. Oh, sovereign Lord, remember me, oh God. Please strengthen me, what? Just once. If you read that, he's saying, just one more time, God. I know I've failed you a thousand times. I know I've done wrong a thousand times. I've blown it a whole bunch of times. But God, all I need is you for you to give me just one more chance. How many have been there? See, that is the grace of God. That's the power of God. See, if we're not careful, we're just branded by a failure. We're just branded by our mistake rather than realizing the power of repentance and the power of the grace of God. And so the Bible says, he says to God, just one more time. In other words, he's saying, Lord, I need you to help me. And if you really begin to read it, Samson is now not just thinking about himself, but he's thinking, when we begin to read even deeper into it, he's thinking about these enemies. They're laughing. They're celebrating. They're going to they're gonna defeat the people of God. And he's saying, God, man, just use me to defeat these people right now. Because if I could defeat them right now, they won't go and destroy other people's life. So I believe this is where he kind of crossed the line spiritually. Because in his heart of repentance, he was no longer thinking about himself, but he was thinking about others. Can you say amen? And so in this massive public humiliation, in this massive public uh, uh, failure, so to speak, God still uses him. Even after our failures, God can still use us. Can you say amen? And here's what it says in verse 29. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. And then Samson said, let me die with these Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might. And again, the supernatural strength came on him. And down came the temple on all the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, he killed many more when he died than while he was alive. So at this last moment, in this place of failure, in this place 
of humiliation in the lowest point of his life. See, no matter how low, how bad you've blown it, God still gives you grace. He had lost his strength, but when he prayed that prayer, God strengthened him one last time. And the Bible says he pushed those pillars and everything came crumbling down, destroying more of God's enemies than when he was alive. It goes to show you that even in your failure, God can still use you. Even though you messed up, it's not over. I said, even though you messed up, it's not over. So we have to quit living in the remorse of our past. While I should have did this, uh, I'm not this, I didn't do this. Uh, I, you know, you got, we got to quit winding, man. We got to quit saying all this, all this stuff. You know what? We need to say, you know what? I was an addict, but I'm not an addict anymore. I did mess up, but I'm not that anymore. God's doing something new in my life. God's not finished with you yet. Can you say amen? And so sometimes we just have to remember I said, you have to remember what God's done in your life. We forget all the things that God's done in our life. And the moment we fail, all we think about is that failure. Sometimes you got to write it down. Sometimes, man, you got you to remember what has God did in your life. What is God doing in your life currently? Otherwise, we're going we're gonna to live in the muck and mire and swim in that failure. I can't tell you how many times I got to write things down when my wife says, honey, can you pick this up? And, and when I don't write it down, I come back with something different. Or I bought a bunch of other things that I wanted and didn't buy what she wanted. She said, honey, don't forget to get that almond milk. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll get the almond milk, but, you know, I'm going to get some drumsticks. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to get some of this, some of that. And then, and then I don't write it down, and I come and she goes, where's the almond milk? I go, oh, yeah, you did send me for that, didn't you? Because I didn't write it down. That's what men do. I just want to say this to you. Write down the word of God because the word of God is for you and over your life. Can you say amen? And so we have to learn. See, what I believe would happen when he pushed those pillars, he was pushing down those pillars of pride. He was pushing down those pillars of failure. He was pushing down those pillars of addiction. He was pushing down and say, you know what? I'm not going to let me get it, get me where I, where I was, but I'm going up. I'm going to work where God has me. Somebody give God a praise to you. <laughs> See, the Bible says that he died that day and the enemy was defeated. But I want to say this to you in a spiritual sense. I'm not saying we're going to go out and die and, you know, kill ourselves. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying to you is we're supposed to die to ourselves spiritually. We have to stop thinking about just us. We need to think about others. We need to get to a point where, you know what, daily we're dying to ourselves and to our pleasures and to our want and say, God, I want what you want in my life. The reason why we fell is because most of the time we're only thinking about us. We're not thinking about anybody else. We're only thinking about what we want rather than what God wants. And the moment we begin to make a shift, you'll begin to see a change in your life. You'll begin to see a change in other people's lives. And I believe today you're not, again, who people say you are. It's who God says you are. And it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. I can tell you, I can go across this room, testimony after testimony, people that have failed over and over again. 
people that have made mistakes, people, man, whose lives were messed up. But I can tell you today, the grace of God is so much more powerful. His love and grace can change any situation. You can't change the past, but you can change the future. You can't undo what you've done, but you can repent. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.